Today's episode was co-produced with the EPFL Entrepreneur Club, a new student association which promotes entrepreneurship on the EPFL campus through community building, entrepreneurship events, and services to startups. Over the next five weeks, we will be taking you on a journey through the Swiss Romandie to highlight the stories of students, researchers, and entrepreneurs, and find out more about all the exciting initiatives around the EPFL Lausanne. They already have the entrepreneurial um, skills and mindset, so we can build on that and we can, you know, use yeah, energy as a, as a catalyst. Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Anais, a very warm welcome to the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Thank you for inviting me. You are the co-founder of the student project at EPFL called Sun and Go where you empower entrepreneurs and their community by giving them access to electricity. That sounds like a very interesting project. So please tell me more what motivated you to start that student project. Yeah, sure. So I think um, from my background, I have, um, when I was doing my master's degree at EPFL, um, my master's degree was in energy management and sustainability. And in the first place, I, I thought I wanted to do a career like about renewables and the re energy transition in Switzerland or in Europe. But um, then I got this, this really great opportunity to apply to an innovation camp um, in Bangalore in India. And that was organized by EPFL, the University of Lausanne and the Art School of Lausanne. And basically we went there for about 12 days and we worked on a challenge that was proposed by um, Salco Foundation who's also based in Bangalore and um, focuses on improving access to sustainable energy for underserved communities. And so there we really worked like in teams um, from the three different schools. And we had this challenge to rethink um, electricity access uh, for street vendors in, in Bangalore. And uh, I think when I, when I was going in the streets in Bangalore and I realized that, you know, like people have... Um, some sort of like yeah challenges to 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 light up their stands or their small shops um they only need like a few appliances and and we charge a phone but um through this process of really going to the field and and um realizing with my own eyes that uh actually universal energy access was also a huge challenge not only you know like um, in the same way actually as the energy transition in Europe or um in Switzerland uh, i think if we have to power um, and uh, electrify um, uh, universally, I think this is also a big challenge. And and I think that um, that was really my motivation to realize that electricity access is also a big challenge, not only the transition uh, in kind of more um, the Western or developed countries. And yeah, I, I think seeing that with my own eyes was the real trigger and the real motivation to to start my initiative. So you basically saw there in person that this is a huge problem. So please also talk a bit about the solution of Sun and Go. So how do you actually tackle that problem? What do you provide as a solution to to tackle this and to make that uh, a better or a less problem than it is today? 
Yeah, sure. So I think um, if I have to summarize what Senengo uh, aims to do is really um, this goal of delivering sustainable electricity access um, through solar energy. And we really try to not only solve the energy access uh, problem, but also the growing energy needs that are, you know, like um, everywhere um, in, in, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, we see a lot of more, like a lot of more demand, let's say. And we really try to provide a solution that is um, compact, but also modular. Um, so we, we provide this solar energy center that can charge portable batteries. And we target, um, as the owners of these centers, we target um, local entrepreneurs who can kind of um, set up a business or side business uh, and have these energy centers to deliver um, energy services. And the idea is about a renting system where the owner is, is kind of renting a charged, a charged portable battery that uh, community members can take home and there they can light several light bulbs and charge their mobile phone, for example. And the modularity and, and really what we try to, to emphasize in our solution is that we want to grow with the energy needs, like the growing um, energy needs. And there, therefore, the entrepreneur can kind of add additional modules and additional and provide additional energy services to her or his community. So it's about starting small and, you know, modular, uh, a modular approach, um, some sort of upgrade. And yeah, I mean, it can be like cold storage. It can be internet connection. It can be printing. You, you name it, uh, depending on the local needs. So yeah, we really try to, to really empower these, these communities thanks to renewable energy. And, um, we hope to, yeah, to en enhance their, their livelihood and their opportunities, uh, thanks to solar. Sounds great. I also wonder how you finance the whole thing, because I'm, I'm sure that there's also any upfront investment for the infrastructure that you need required. And do you also have the purpose of making any money out of that? Or how are you set up and what's the goal there for you from a project perspective? Yeah, so from our perspective, we aim to sell the solar centers to the local entrepreneurs. But we also know now that there are many new innovation also in, let's say, um, payment you, you can have like pay as you go payments so people can have like installment payments and become owner little by little of their energy center and also since um, the overall idea is that this is a side business for the entrepreneur it means that they get revenues and hopefully some profits that they can you know repay their center but also increase their their revenues and and this is for the benefit of the community. So we have um, this as our first idea of financing the thing, or we also um, might also go through NGOs where um, they can buy several centers and set up, um, set them up in some communities. And then there is a local entrepreneur who's, uh, you know, like um, his job or his, uh, his, yeah, his responsibility would be to operate and maintain the energy center. So we have different options and we, we have to investigate them and see, you know, what works where and um, what's best uh, in different situations. I, I really like this fact that you try to empower the people and really also trigger this entrepreneurship part and an entrepreneurial, you know, spirit in the people. I think that's a really, really strong enabler for the countries that you, you plan to be active. I think that's a really, really cool part of the whole project that you're working on. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, like we, we've also identified that a lot of people are, have like home-based businesses. They, they already do things by themselves. They already have the entrepreneurial um, skills and mindset. So we can build on that and we can, you know, use yeah, energy as a, as a catalyst, as you, as you just said, you know, like um, as an enabler for um, um, better, let's say, economic uh, development, but also, yeah, really improving um, the overall uh, opportunities that are available for, for the communities. You walked us through your motivation on the personal level, but to, you know, build such a project, you can actually not pull that off on your own. So please also walk us through your team and what experience the team members bring to the table. Yes, sure. Um, so first, um, I think I will present Antoine, who's uh, the co-founder of the project uh, with myself. And we uh, met about a year and a half ago in an entrepreneurship class at EPFL. Um, and that's where I convinced him to, you know, go on board and continue um, working on the solution I had um, previously developed in, in, in India. Um, so he's, um, he has some um, academic background in, in management, um, technology, entrepreneurship. That's what he was studying at EPFL. But he's also very much uh, aware of the different challenges in Africa. He's been traveling to different countries. He knows how the dynamics work. Um, for example, culturally and so on. So he's really, uh, he has this, yeah, these two very good aspects of um, the academic background, but also the like field experience or more, um, yeah, let's say uh, hands-on experience. Uh, and then we have uh, Jesus, who's uh, also a good friend um, that I met during my uh, Erasmus exchange uh, three years ago now. Um, for him, he's uh, very much more the engineer, uh, the real engineer in the team. Uh, he has a background in uh, industrial engineering and he's mostly focused on the technology development in the project. Um, but he's very much uh, interested in everything linked to like tech for good. Um, it can be about clean energy, but it can also be about healthcare. He's involved in different projects. And I think that's a that's really good um, set of skills and interests that they're, he's putting together uh, as part of our uh, how our project or initiative um, at Sonengo. Um, then we have Alex, uh, who I also met now two years ago in a climathon. Um, we, uh, he has a background in mechanical engineering and renewable energy technologies. He's been also traveling to different countries in Africa and more importantly, he has worked for more than six years now um, to support social entrepreneurs um, in Switzerland and in Africa. So he's very much aware of yeah the ecosystem and also um, yeah how what what do we need for a social enterprise to 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 work and to you know still have impact but at the same time be be sustainable. And last but uh, but not least, uh, we have Thomas, uh, who I went to secondary school with. Uh, we actually just uh, realized uh, that we were in the same in the same school, uh, and then uh, he was interested in the project and and suggested to help. So he's a, he has a background in interior design, um, but he's also a freelancer in graphic design, and he mostly helped us, you know, putting up the website. Uh, designing some illustrations for for our use um, on the website, but also in our pitch and, and presentations, and he will also be a very good help on the kind of project design and user experience design um, very soon. So, yeah, that's the that's the whole team. Uh, we're 
all kind of working at the same time. So it's, um, you know, we're all uh, putting a lot of time on our own um, on the side. But uh, we, yeah, that's that's what's good about this project is that we so far can carry it um, as a side project and, and uh, still dedicate some, some time to it. So yeah, that's about it for Zen and Ghost team. Nice. Sounds like a very diverse and skilled team in the background there. <laughs> yeah. So let's also talk about the milestones. I know you are just starting out and, and you're in the beginning of the project, but are there any milestones that you have recently achieved that you can share with our audience? At about a year and a half, we've done like, you know, st student competitions, kind of online incubator accelerators, all of these sort of things that are available uh, thanks to uh, like technology and, and also um, uh, thanks to our universities. Um, and I think I will highlight that uh, about two weeks ago, we won the prize of the public uh, from the start competition, um, start Lausanne competition that was organized between EPFL and the University of Lausanne. And so this prize, yeah, we were really happy and we would like to thank also all the people who voted for us. And that was uh, really great to get all this support. Uh, and we received this money and now we'll really be able to, you know, like start prototyping, you know, testing, kind of creating a, a real product that we can, you know, display, that we can uh, explain to people uh, in a like more, yeah, better way, I would say, than just, you know, talking about it. Uh, so that was a really yeah, important milestone because we are yeah, starting to quit the ideation phase and we move to the implementation or the more like, you know, um, prototyping phase. So that's that's really good. And yeah, as I said, it's it's important to stop talking about it, but actually act on it. And I mean, yeah, it's easy to pitch. It's easy to, you know, uh, just uh, talk about your project. But now we have people who trusted us with their their fundings and we also got some grants. So, I mean, it's time to, yeah, to, to try. And if we fail, at least we'll, you know, we will learn something and we will be able to iterate and, and so on. So, yeah, that was... Um, I think that's the highlight of the most recent achievements. If you're enjoying this episode of Swisspreneur, please don't forget to rate our show on Apple Podcasts. It helps us do bigger and better things and to do them all for free. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Yeah, that's definitely the right spirit to have. Great attitude there. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> for sure. So, you know, despite just the, the start of the project, um, usually you also face challenges from day one onwards. So what has been the toughest challenge that you had to overcome so far? So at the beginning, I was uh, still studying with Antoine. We were, you know, on the same campus. We were uh, taking the time to work um, together, like face to face and, you know, work on, on the project. But since uh, the beginning of this year, um, we all, everyone kind of moved and in the team and we were all in different cities. And I mean, I'm not going to mention the COVID pandemic, but um, this also kind of uh, changed a lot of things in our uh, organization and coordination uh, inside the team. So yeah, that was a big challenge uh, to move everything from, let's say, meeting in person and brainstorming, you know, as you, you like to do with like post-its and everything to a more kind of online uh, mode. And I think that was um, also a big challenge to keep everyone on track and, and the team moving and motivated. But I think we, we did a good job on that. So, but yeah, I think that was a, that was a big challenge for us to kind of 
be remotely um, uh, sitting, in, yeah, sitting all remotely from one another. Absolutely. Is there any tip that you can give to other companies facing the same challenge? Because I feel that, you know, Corona probably made you or really forced you into that setup that you had to go from physical meetups, from physical brainstorming sessions to a fully remote workforce. So is there any killer tip that you can give uh, that worked very well for you to make that transition happen? Yeah, well, I think we... We managed to also keep some of the meetings, you know, informal and take the time to, you know, dedicate yeah, some kind of asking about everyone's like how you're doing, uh, what's up with your life, you know, how is it to move, etc. And I think that was also good to dedicate yeah, some some um, some time to to chat and and keep the team also the team spirit a bit up. Um, I don't know if we I have a killer tip, but yeah, I mean, I would I would say you know just work on it, but also keep some some spare spare time to to really enjoy also the the team um, the team the time you spend as a team uh, online, which is uh, sometimes annoying, but still you can do a lot of things and and discuss, and that's really that's really great. I think that's a good tip because you can easily forget to mention or talk about the social life and what else is going on in, in your personal life. And that just loosens the connection between your team members, I could imagine. Yeah, I agree. I think that's that's totally true. So talking about tips and continuing with tips, um, let's also look at the student landscape. So if you had to give a recommendation, a tip to students going into entrepreneurship today, what would you say to them? Yeah, so I think I have two main points there. The first one would be to be an interdisciplinary team. I think, um, you know, you might, like we were only engineering for a bit and then we wanted to, you know, have different perspectives. Uh, also in the very early stage of the ideation, we were um, people from design background, people from social science, people from business. And I think this is really key that you don't build your team only around the technical, um, let's say the technical or the business aspect of it, but also look at whatever else could, you know, benefit. And there are people with different profiles. They might not even know they're into entrepreneurship yet, but they will just discover that, you know, some projects are um, appealing to them and that they might, you know, contribute in their own way with their own personal it can be also personal knowledge right uh traveling um testing things yourself um this can also just be very good skills um for for a team so you don't need just a technical background i'm just referring here to engineering in our case but um and then the second one I would say would be to start as early as possible in your studies, maybe even in high school, um, just get interested in kind of, yeah, any project, anything you can run by yourself. Um, it can, that doesn't have to be, you know, like building your own enterprise directly. But I think I would recommend to, yeah, to start as early as you can uh, during your, your studies because I waited until my master's and now, you know, I can... I have, yeah, I started working and, and um, there is also a lot of things that you can access as a student um, during your studies. So I, I definitely start early and with people that you think are diverse and will bring, you know, different things to the table. Yeah, it doesn't get easier the longer you wait. I think that's a great takeaway. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, yeah, we, we're struggling, but we're also very happy to continue working on that on the side. So that's really great. 
and also talking about the resources that you can access as a student. So what resources can students really benefit from at EPFL? What would you recommend there? Yeah, um, I think we got different types of support. So um, there are many opportunities to, to apply to like, let's say, workshops or some sort of, uh, as I mentioned, the innovation camp that I took part in. I mean, there are new things coming up and I think more is done to also bring students together from even at EPFL. I mean, the, the different sections and the different, you know, like um, from life science to mechanical engineering to architecture, it really can be very broad. So I think a lot of uh, efforts are made to bring these people or bring these different backgrounds together. Um, and I would say the resources, um, I think what could be very useful is to yeah make, make this connection between the students but also to, between the schools because we are super lucky in, in Lausanne to have the University of Lausanne to have the art school of Lausanne the hospitality school I mean there are t so many uh, institutions um, that you can you know connect students um, from different parts and make them collaborate and, and understand the value of, of working together um, but yeah uh, I think that's about it for, for the resources. And I think um, things are moving and things are evolving and getting in a good direction for for that. Um, so this is really emphasizing on the interdisciplinary team setup that you mentioned, right? So everything is there in Lausanne. You just have to make use of it, basically. Yeah, I would say that. I think we're we're really lucky and we should make a yeah a good use of it. Uh, otherwise, we're, it's a waste of... Uh, of resources and, and also of connections. And yeah, I mean, that that's we're really lucky. So let's use it. <laughs> let's also zoom out a bit uh, from Lausanne to the Swiss Romandie. What do you think is the startup ecosystem there as, as far as you can, you know, evaluate or judge that doing well and what could be improved? Yeah, um, that's a good question. To be honest, I'm, I'm mostly... Um, uh, aware of the EPFL bubble uh, for now, so it's not so, so that I cannot talk about the whole Romandie per se. But um, I think, uh, yeah, we we have a lot of opportunities to get funding, grants, and and support. I mean, the there are the resources from the universities at our disposal. There are incubators, accelerators, co-working spaces. I mean, you you name it. You you can really use the structure, um, the infrastructure. Sorry. And I think that's where it's good because that's where the ideas kind of em emerge. And I think that's uh, that's the good point of the startup ecosystem is this infrastructure and yeah, the diversity of schools, but also of, um, of different uh, supports. And what do you think can be improved in that regard? I will talk about again about, I guess, the interdisciplinary exchanges and collaboration, I think. There might be, you know, sectors that don't talk to each other or don't see, you know, the point of collaboration or learning from from the best practices or the, the, the lessons learned in, in other sectors. And I think maybe there we could kind of improve how, you know, sh shared knowledge and shared, um, mm, yeah, lessons learned, I would say, about entrepreneurship in general. Um, and also maybe all, since we're in Lausanne, there is this, technical aspect like the for me at least for EPFL I see a strong you know like technical startups and and so on and maybe also for not forget that there are also social innovation and, and like innovation in like business models that can really have a 
big part, like a big, big role in the success of a startup and not only just, you know, the technique, the technical or the, the technology itself. So that's why, yeah, I think there are some synergies between that could um, come from different sectors and the collaboration and yeah, just not be too technology driven or focused. I think that would be, that would, that could be improved somehow. Breaking up the silos and escaping your own bubbles and really get out there and network and mingle with people from other disciplines, basically. Yeah, that's exactly yeah the point. I think that's that that could be very um, fruitful collaborations and you know being also um, in your bubble, as I said, like this is not always good, and it's good to 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 see other things, what's happening in other sectors and other dynamics. Makes sense. So now we got the story of Sun and Go about how you started and where you basically want to go. But we are, of course, also interested to learn more about a bit more about you in the background, basically. So we have three last questions for you. And I just start with the first one. What's a surprising fact that people don't know about you? All right. Um, I think I will say that um, I used to play tennis at the, quite a high level. So from until I was 17 years old, I was basically playing, um, you know, European tournaments and so on. I almost wanted to pursue a professional career in um, tennis. But then in the end, I decided that I wanted to pursue my, my studies and that I wanted to stay in Switzerland. So, yeah, I mean, that I could have maybe, you know, become someone in the tennis world. But um, yeah, in the end, not. <laughs> Nice. That's a cool fact. <laughs> and who do you admire the most? Yeah. So for this one, I think I would like to highlight my, my friend um, Deepika, Deepika Badal. And she's from Nepal. I met her last year um, at the Global Youth Summit. And um, she's a young uh, woman, uh, 22 years old, I think. Um, and she's Recently, she's, um, she has received the Diana Award, which is uh, one of the most prestigious uh, prize that uh, young pe people can receive for their social action or humanitarian work. And she's a really inspiring and um, amazing young woman. And she's done a lot of um, things on environmental preservation in Nepal, but she's also worked on projects about uh, increasing awareness on HIV and AIDS. So I think that she's she's just amazing, and I admire her a lot for for her work and her her achievements uh, so far in her young her young life. Yeah, that's a great role role model or inspiration. Yeah. And the last question for you today: What is one thing that you would put on your bucket list? All right. Um, I think I'll say I would like to learn Spanish because I've have a lot of friends who speak Spanish. My tennis coaches actually were Argentinian, so they were always speaking Spanish. Uh, I've watched a lot of TV series in Spanish and so on. And I think I've always been very attracted to that language. So if I can, that would be like before, uh, before I die, I really want to know how to speak Spanish, not just uh, listen to it. Awesome. Anais, thank you so much for taking us on the journey of Sun and Go and also revealing a bit more about the story and the things behind it. And we wish you all the best and lots of success with your project and hopefully soon also the switch or transition to a company one day. Yes, 
thank you so much for inviting me. That was uh, really nice to, to share with you and to share with the community of Swisspreneur. And yeah, uh, I hope to get some news uh, very soon about Sen Go uh, to share with you. Awesome. Can't wait for that. All the best and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. Stay connected with the Swisspreneur community through our LinkedIn and Instagram profiles. Make sure to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast platform you're using. See you next week for a brand new episode of the Swisspreneur Show.